those who have been blessed the most, who have disproportionately extracted by whatever skill more and more from the national wealth, they're going to have to share more of that. Yeah, we've moved on from the discussion of last hour, but Michael uh, pointed out how perfect that clip would be to illustrate the point. And wow. any chance we get to play that clip of the, the senile socialist governor of California? Well, I wish I wish that it, that he actually was senile when he said that, but that is the actual philosophy of the the governor of the biggest state in the country, and a lot of people. There is a fixed. Oh, that's incredible. Fixed uh, monetary pie. Uh, and the government slices it up and hands it out. It's not a, a living organism, the economy, that must be you know kept healthy and maintained and fed and stimulated. It's 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 merely something a fixed amount that should be chopped up. Well, in addition to that, you can tell by his word choice. Anybody that ends up with some of it uh, somehow did something wrong. Yeah, you did. Yeah. You did something that's uncool. Yeah. Those who have been blessed the most, who have disproportionately extracted by whatever skill more and more from the national wealth, they're going to have to share more of that. You, you have know, disproportionately you... extracted it if you have, you know, enough savings to live. <laughs> that uh... I mean, that is so socialist. Lenin would say that's going a little far, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, wait a minute. Extracted. <laughs> the uh, start a business. Hey, Sean, I printed out something I'm not seeing here. It was like a printing out of a bunch of words. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Give me that here. Give me that. Thanks. You printed out something with a bunch of words. Okay. Well, but it's not a not. It does. It looks different. Uh, so this is a perfect, perfect time to read this, and we'll get to the thirty-year-old kid booted out of his home uh, in a moment or two. Uh, maybe you've seen this. I think I did once before, but a guy looked at my Harley and said. And and a bunch of you, I know, live in places that you can picture this happening. Guy looked at my Harley and said, I wonder how many people could have been fed for the money that motorcycle cost. Wow. I replied, I'm not sure. <clears throat> it fed a lot of families in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, who built it. It fed the people who make the tires. It fed the people who made the components that went into it. It fed the people in the copper mine who mined the copper for the wires. It fed people in Decatur, Illinois, a caterpillar, who make the trucks that haul the copper ore. I guess I really don't know how many people it fed. That's the difference between capitalism and the welfare mentality. When you buy something, you put money in people's pockets and give them dignity for their skills. When you give someone something for nothing, you rob them of their dignity and self-worth. Capitalism is freely giving your money in exchange for something of value. Socialism is taking your money against your will and shoving something down your throat you never asked for until your society becomes so bloated and soft that they do ask for it. And then you have politicians suggesting that, for instance... Uh, you know, the guy who 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 started Harley Davidson has uh, disproportionately extracted from uh, the public wealth in spite of those many, many, many thousands of people who are now feeding, clothing and medicating their families because of the existence of the company. F you, Jerry. <laughs> wow. <clears throat> Strong talk. So, so. Uh, when this story uh, first emerged uh, a couple of several days ago, uh, the story was that a fam a couple of uh, a couple. I'm using the word couple way too many times. A man and a woman who are betrothed or wedded uh, were so fed up with their unemployed 30 year old son's refusal to leave the home, the family home, that they sued to evict him and took the case to court. Well, 
So when I first heard that, I thought this this must be a, is this a dysfunctional family or had they prodded for years saying, look, you really need to get out on your own. And then he doesn't do anything. And then you finally say, all right, July 1st, you got to be out. That's precisely what happened. Really? Yeah, because yeah, at some point you'd have to. I don't know what you would do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, first of all, a quick clip uh, from a news report that includes some courtroom sound. Sean. But Rotundo argued he needed more time. Six-month uh, notice to quit is a reasonable amount of time for someone who has been depending on uh, uh, persons to, uh, for support. After a fruitless 30-minute back and forth, the judge ordered Vitundo out. So that is the ponytailed and bearded deadbeat loser He's there 30? S- saying, you know, six months is uh, more reasonable for uh, someone who's dependent on other people. Uh, the previous 12 years, was that enough time, sir? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, Mark and Cristino Rotondo were uh, forced into the extreme measure. (laughs) This is great. The New York Post, the writing is so good. After giving their layabout millennial boy, Michael, cash (laughs) for layabout. (laughs) They gave him cash for moving expenses, pleaded with him to get on with his life, and finally sent legal uh, written notices demanding he grow up and move out. Quote, Michael, after a discussion with your mother, we've decided that you must leave this house immediately. You have 14 days to vacate. We'll take whatever actions are necessary to enforce this decision. They later offered him $1,100 to find a place to stay, gave him parental advice, including organize the things you need for work and to manage an apartment, sell other things that have a significant value. They said there are jobs available even for those with a poor work history like you. Get one. You have to work. But he refused to leave. And, uh, and after court, I believe this was after court, Sean? Uh, he made the no, this. Fu- this was him, I believe, talking to oh, the judge. Oh, this is during the fruitless yeah. thirty-minute discussion with yeah. the judge. This is him pleading his case. I'm not a burden to them in the home. They don't uh, provide laundry or food. I, I just wanted, you know, a reasonable amount of time to vacate, with consideration of the fact that I was not really prepared to support myself at the time where I was served these notices. I don't see why the judge wants to throw people out on the street. <laughs> well, we just we don't talk. We see each other's way. There's no. Uh, there's been no instances of anything. <laughs> Quote, it's really unfair to me and really outrageous, said the son, a self-described businessman who has... What's your business, sir? Who has a Way young boy of his own. <laughs> oh, he has uh, a kid. Of whom he lost custody. Oh, jeez. I don't really want to stay there. I've been trying to leave for a long time. They stopped feeding me. They cut off the family phone plan. Oh. <sighs> Asked if he thought mom and dad were merely trying some tough love, Michael sounded like a child who'd just been punished. I don't think trying to destroy somebody is tough love, he griped. Now, um... Does he have a condition or something? Is he... I mean, there are extremely lazy people. (laughs) Is that... that, (laughs) I'm a man who craves leisure myself. Is that a condition? Um, uh, Surely he or somebody would have pointed that out if that were the case, weren't they? I'm surprised he's not claiming his back hurts or something like that. Um, uh, That stuff about that they cut off the family phone plan. You're 30 years old. Um, I got to think the parents made a mistake somewhere along the line that he has that attitude. As a 30-year-old, that he should be on the family phone plan. Right, right, yeah. Where did that notion come from? Eh, It's worth uh, asking. So the judge yesterday ordered the parent's lawyer to draft an order outlining the terms of the eviction, but allowed Michael to remain at the home until an official eviction date is set. 
Greenwood, the judge, applauded the uh, layabout millennial for his legal research in the case. He actually put some work in on it. Hey, how about that? But blasted his demand for six more months as, quote, outrageous. You could have done better than that, Judge. Come on. You can be more insulting than that. Uh, I have money. I have income. He runs a successful business but declined to say what it is. I have plans to not stay with him anymore. Just not today. Just not in 30 days. I can't imagine I'll be there in three months. No, your parents can't imagine how you've ended up there now. Quote-unquote businessman refuses to disclose he sells drugs. He's a drug dealer. That's my guess. Mm. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Or he doesn't have a job at all. But if he's got income... Yeah, if he's saying I have income, I'm a a businessman, and I won't tell you what my business is, that's usually connecting dots to I sell weed on the side to my... My friends. Or, or he buys like old video video games from his friends and tries to resell them for like a buck or two more than he bought them. <laughs> right, for. right. And it's that just so be. pathetic. Yeah, that I, he I buy rare comic them. books on eBay and then try to flip them. I have a very rare Mary Worth. Um, let's <laughs> see. Uh, a picture of Roger Dalton autographed by Roger Moore. Roger Dalton, <laughs> that's not his name. Damn it. Yeah, that would have been funny, Sean. But it wasn't. Asked whether he was hurt by the drastic measure of being evicted, he said. That's very much a moot point to me right now. I'm just worried about what's best for me. God, His I remember, parents couldn't be reached. I, uh, I remember <laughs> too, my... Too busy celebrating. <laughs> In 2017, Michael sued Best Buy for $338,500 for firing him two years earlier for not working Saturdays. <laughs> While he was too busy reselling video games, I guess. That case is still pending. I made a number of bad, like, I still make a number of bad decisions, but I made a number of bad decisions when I was younger and everything like that, that, that I didn't make much money to start with. Then some of my choices were not good. Whoops. But, um, uh, and my dad told me once when I was much older, he said, there are several times where I really wanted to help you, but I knew it would be a bad idea. Oh boy. Yeah. yeah. Where I really wanted to help you, you know, and, and when you're that broke, somebody could help you a couple of hundred dollars would really change your day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Are you change your month? Yeah, but I wouldn't have gotten my act together if he had. I needed to be eating five five for a dollar cans of crap beanie weenies because I was so broke. Walking, walking. The weenie didn't mean what you thought it meant. Me and my the only part of the cow left when it came time to make the beanie weenies. Me and my roommate at the time walking to the grocery store because neither one of us had gas in our car. If they called it penis penis, they wouldn't sell nearly as many of them. No, I hear you. And man, that is hard because I'm got, sure it is. I got two launching kids right now. One of them has, you know, some struggles that I've talked about a little bit. And knowing how much is a good idea and how much is, is too much help. Oh, man, that's hard. It's a tough judgment oh. call. I mean, and it's the same thing with, you know, the whole the whole welfare thing, you know, giving people a little bit of money so they can get started. Well, some people, you give them a little bit of money, that, that will help them get started. Yeah, they can get cleaned up, get a suit for an interview, all that sort of stuff. Some people will just continue to live irresponsible lives right. with a little extra money until they get screw themselves so bad that they finally get their act together. On the parenting side of it, is it kind of like the financial adult side of, I'm okay with them skinning their knee, but I don't want them to break their leg? sort of thing like mm. you, you gotta you gotta experience kind of these these bumps and bruises of life but I, I feel like it's that way i don't want them to i don't want my kids to be too safe i don't want them to do something dangerous they crack their head open well, yeah i don't want my daughters turning tricks or anything like that or you know but fear and desperation are great motivators uh, you know kids particularly who grow up um in reasonably affluent households sometimes uh fall prey to the notion that their parents quote-unquote ambition 
or their uh, uh, their desire for uh, uh, financial comfort is somehow an unholy like it's greed or it's uh, you just want status, man. And I'm not talking about my kids, but I've seen it plenty. And sometimes you hear just a, a whiff of that notion floating around and. And I've made the point to them, no, being like dead broke and afraid all the time kind of motivated me, and, uh, and, and it'll motivate you too. So I'm not against uh, fear and uh, desperation. They're wonderful motivators. They have motivated every animal that has drawn breath on Earth since the beginning of time. And I don't necessarily think removing those entirely. Well, no, I, I think removing those entirely is a terrible idea. Oh, I'm ma- but at some point, yeah, the broken leg thing. I maxed out a minor credit card when I was really young, and that haunted me for a long time because I, I didn't make enough money that I ever had, you know, I could ever get caught up on that. My parents could have paid that off effortlessly, mm-hmm. but that wouldn't have fixed. I've never, I've never had a credit card problem since then mm. because it was so difficult to, to, to take care of that. There one. you go. I mean, that was, that was a huge lesson for me. You should have lived at home. Surely six months is a more reasonable amount of time, Dad. I'm only 30. And just, you know, we're running late, so. Yeah. Uh, 415-295-KFTC is the text line. 415-295-KFTC. New York Times laid out pretty clearly, I think, the directions the Mueller investigation can go. There's only a couple of different choices. And beloved listener Darren, in honor of our being ranked the 24th most influential talk show in America, has compiled the list of other ranked 24th things in the world. Which is <laughs> Fantastic. Very, very amusing. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Through the text. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stormy Daniels has been given the key to the city in West Hollywood. Oh, yeah. I saw oh, that. God. Yeah. All right. For help, being a leader of the resistance. She's an extortionist porn skank, West Hollywood. I know you don't like Trump. I get that. That's fine. But don't hold her up as. Oh, please. And her so called lawyer. <laughs> He's P.T. Barnum, but he doesn't have Tom Thumb behind the curtain. He's got a porn skank. Not that making pornography isn't a perfectly respectable way to make a living. (laughs) Hell, at least she's working and not living off her parents. (laughs) Right. We got a bunch of texts about that, helping their kids out, not helping their kids out when they did when they didn't or when their parents. I'm not and I I, uh, I'm not claiming my parents did not help me out. They absolutely did on a number of occasions. But uh, my mom wa- won a washing machine at the local grocery store raffle. Cool, and gave it to us because she didn't need one. Oh my god, that's the only reason we owned a washing machine for a very long time. That was such a windfall. <laughs> I remember one time getting tires when I was in college. I think that was a we're not going to let you drive around on unsafe tires thing. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember the first I time had I had once. to buy tires and realized what they cost. Yeah. Holy crap! Oh yeah, even yeah. the bad ones. <laughs> oh yeah. 
Yeah, or you get you know you get all your brake pads done or whatever the first time, and you're paying for it. Good lord! Uh, all that stuff is motivating. So, uh, New York Times with an interesting article. I thought how the Mueller investigation could play out for Trump. I know what uh, those of you uh, who hate the New York Times are thinking, blah blah blah. But I read through it, and I think this is pretty logical. I'm not a lawyer, but the, the, there's only a couple of different ways it can go. When he finally, you know, reaches the end of his little road. Mueller's road. Mueller's road. Okay. He could either find no wrongdoing by the president or find that Mr. Trump broke the law. That's where you start. Okay. Those two choices. There you go. If he finds no wrongdoing by the president, he sends uh, Rod Rosenstein, the deputy attorney general overseeing the investigation, a confidential report. And then Rosenstein either sends the report to Congress or does... Uh, well, either does or doesn't send the report to Congress, but the New York Times believes he'd be under tremendous political pressure to release it, mm-hmm. so we'd all know what it is. Right. If he does find Private out... Private citizen, no. You, you shouldn't release that. No. If there's no wrongdoing. No. Absolutely not. No. Yeah. Um, uh, but if he does find out that Trump broke the law, there's three different directions he can go. The least aggressive way would be to leave the decision up to Congress, which is the power to impeach, which is what I'd be in favor of unless it's a really over-the-top crime. Right. Make it a political decision. Sure. Uh, the Nixon option would be ask a grand jury to deem Mr. Trump a co-conspirator and send a report to Congress. Then the most aggressive option would be to indict the president, um, which is fraught, which has never happened before. And nobody knows if you can or can't do that, and that's when we could get into a constitutional question. Hmm. Well, and, and if if Trump said no, those, then then where are we? Those well, go ahead. Is there more to this? No, go ahead. And jump uh, I was going to say each of those uh, like tentacles exists at the end of a bigger tentacle, which is uh, the first one is did they conspire in a way that is illegal with Russia, and then if if indeed Mueller is going fairly far afield in his inquiries, did Trump? Get illegal financing for a hotel project in the 1980s in Paraguay. Uh, did Trump launder money for the Russian uh, oligarchs in the 90s when he had high vacancy rates? Did Trump cheat on his taxes in 1976? Right. I mean, it could be in all those directions, which was not the original reason for the thing, but that's what you get with special uh, prosecutors. What What's the most extreme case? Well, I guess if he killed a man and buried him under the White House, but uh, that's pretty extreme. If yes. he If he wrote a check to Putin for a million dollars, saying "Please hack Hillary's emails and release it," that would be pretty extreme. Yes, <laughs> yes, that would make him a conspirator in a hacking case. Yeah. And would be enormously politically damaged. But, that, but yeah, but that would be handled politically. You wouldn't even need to do. You wouldn't even need to worry about it. I mean, at least being president, even the Republicans would turn on him. Oh yeah, the House would impeach him, the Senate would convict him, and he'd be booted out of office. Right. So humiliated. This will work out. I, I I've never doubted that really. I don't think we have a constitutional crisis at all. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? For On again, off again, U.S.-North Korea summit, charges of a sexual abuse cover-up at a major West Coast university. And 60 Minutes, Leslie Stahl, big review about President Trump's attacks on the media. All right, all on the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show.
I can't believe Stormy Daniels has given the key to the city in West Hollywood. What, what is that? What is that? It is what it is. Let's get the news now. Oh, and we've got the list. We're getting texts from other yeah. things that are number 24. That's right. So we're the 24th <laughs> biggest radio show in America. And we're getting people contributing other things that are number 24. Notable 24ths. Stay with us. For instance, the 24th best state to live is Connecticut. We're the Connecticut of talk radio. <laughs> awesome. The 24th most popular solo soda is Mellow Yellow right behind Mr. Pibb. Wow. We're the Mellow Yellow <laughs> of radio. The 24th best NBA player, Damian Lillard of no, the Trailblazers. Nothing wrong with that. Seems like a nice person. Certainly. <laughs> Let's get to the news now with Marsha Phillips. All right, the on again, off again goes back and forth. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo says President Trump's summit with North Korea's leader Kim Jong-un is still on for next month. In a House hearing today, Pompeo declaring... Our eyes are wide open to the lessons of history, but we're optimistic that we can achieve an outcome that would be great for the world. Now, yesterday, President Trump was suggesting the summit might be postponed. There's a very substantial chance that it won't work out, and that's okay. That doesn't mean it won't work out over a period of time, but it may not work out for June 12th. But there's a good chance that we'll have the meeting. Can can you play clip three? Or are you going to play that? Because that, yeah. that, that's the key to me right there. Where he guarantees? Yeah, yeah. Yes. He will be safe. He will be happy. His country will be rich. His country will be hardworking and very prosperous. They're very great people. They're hardworking, great people. Look at what happened with South Korea. He says multiple times, I will guarantee his safety. What kind of a mob threat is that? (laughs) Come to the meeting. I'll I'll guarantee your safety if you're there. I'll make sure you're good and safe if you come to this meeting. (laughs) I didn't take it that way. What are you talking about? That's not a threat. That's not the clip. (laughs) That's not the main clip of where he really gets into the safety part. But um, it it just seems like an odd thing to say. Maybe he's concerned about his safety. Again, what is this anti-Trump rhetoric? He's trying to assure the poor little fellow. Is he? Yes. <laughs> I look at him. He's probably not very good with his fists, Kim Jong-un. It's not, it looks a, a it's tad not, soft. not Polly Walnuts calling you up and saying, you should come to the meeting and your whole family will be safe if you come to this meeting. I want your family to be safe. Ah, maybe I'm misinterpreting. Uh, that, I suppose there's maybe a hint of that. I liked how he saluted the North Korean people as hardworking. You know, if all you were going to get to eat was a grain of corn today, and you had to bust your ass all day to get it, yeah, you're pretty hardworking well, people. The, the more I think about it, it's clearly what I think it is. He has specifically threatened this guy with annihilation if he doesn't do what we want him to do. Well, maybe who who on the show, oh, it's emailers have suggested, you have the summit. And then you rub him out right at the summit, or you snatch him away, and you bring him to a black site and waterboard him. You know, we've gotten that sort of contribution from uh, various listeners. Maybe Fathead fears that. Maybe it's as simple as Fathead said, listen, there's rumors uh, you're going to abduct me. Trump's Mm -hmm. saying, no, 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 we're not going to hurt you. Or maybe it's the way Jack sees it. 200 University of Southern California professors are calling on University President C.L. Max Nikias to step down. The Los Angeles Times reporting the faculty members sent a letter to the University Board of Trustees stating that Nikias has lost the moral authority to lead. You think? This comes following an investigation into former campus health center gynecologist Dr. George Tyndall. Accused of inappropriate behavior towards patients for years 
Now six students are suing USC for failing to address complaints about Tyndall dating as far back as the early 90s. And uh, some of the things that he allegedly did, I'm not going to repeat on the air. They're so over the top. But God dang it, how do you do how do you? do this to college girls and keep your job for decades. Yeah. The, the existence of, of predators and pervs is well known. I'm not shocked by that. But those who would cover for them to protect their bureaucracy, their institution, that's absolutely horrifying. We're going to talk to a L.A. Times um, journalist about this story during the award-winning fourth hour of the show. The hour that probably vaulted us to number 24 in the nation. Mm-hmm. Leslie, Jack, the country with the 24th highest GDP is Poland. We're the Poland to talk right Right. Proud to be. Leslie Stahl of CBS 60 Minutes says President Trump revealed to her why he bashes the press. Stahl was telling the story during a talk with PBS reporter Leslie Judy. Leslie Stahl yes. revealed what the president said to her? Yes. <laughs> Stahl telling the story during a talk with PBS reporter Judy Woodruff at a New York uh, Journalist Awards ceremony. Stahl was saying she and her boss were meeting with Trump at his office ahead of the 60 Minutes interview with him after he won the election. She said at one point Trump started to attack the press. That's when Stahl says she asked him. I said, you know, that is getting tired. Why are you doing this? You're doing it over and over and it's boring and it's, it's time to end that. You know, you've won the nomination. And uh, why do you keep hammering at this? And he said, you know why I do it? I do it to discredit you all and demean you all so when you write negative stories about me, no one will believe you. He said that out loud? So put that in your head for a minute. Yeah. Now are we ready for questions? (laughs) We're all all absorbing what you just said. he said that out loud. Yes. Um, well, her first yeah. <laughs> her first part though, I could apply that to her and the rest of the mainstream media. You're repeating the same thing over and over again. It's getting tired. It's getting old. Move on to something else, like Russian collusion, until you have any proof. <laughs> yeah. Warriors and Rockets tied at two games apiece in the NBA's Western Conference Final. Houston rallying in the fourth quarter. I don't quarter. follow sports, Marshall, so I'm unaware of this story. Houston rallying in the fourth quarter to pull out a 95-92 win over the Warriors in Game 4. James Harden and Chris Paul combining for 57 points in the victory. Paul pull up three in the air. Good! His third in a row! Rockets by 10. It's a 22-point turnaround. It Harden takes Beard scored 10. It <laughs> takes some serious self-confidence in that crowd when the when the, the best team in the world just did what they did on their run to come back and think, oh, we can still win this thing. That's, that was amazing for Houston. Uh, it's got to be demoralizing for Golden State. Game 5 in Houston tomorrow night. Series again, knotted up at 2, and that's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips in the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. Those who follow the interminable NBA regular season have been telling me for a very long time that this would be a whale of a series. Turns out they were right. Yeah. I will no longer watch, but... Uh, I can respect that decision. Yeah. It was nice to see a close game. Jack, the 24th deadliest animal in the world is the alligator. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. I'd like to hear what's uh, 1 through 23 on that list. I'll look it up. <laughs> <laughs> Wikipedia is a thing. 
Um, speaking of animals, humans are not good at figuring out how smart animals are. They're smarter than we think, and should we be treating them better? Which is uh, oh boy, interesting ethical conundrum. But what if Whoa. they're delicious? The media on their trek to the North Korean nuke site. Interesting twist in that story, as we brought it to you yesterday. Among other things, coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the of, of the nation. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. brought us the news yesterday that the reporters in North Korea that are going to verify that they're closing down their nuclear test site uh, will, will have to take an 11-hour train ride, a four-hour bus ride, then an hour-long hike, hike to get to the, uh, to the mountain area where they were testing um, nuclear weapons. Of course, we're not positive that they haven't opened up another one. That they're not just closing this one down because it collapsed. Right. Suffering from tired mountain syndrome, which is actually a thing. I have that. But the AP reported yesterday the journalists were put in sleeping cars outfitted with blinds on the windows and were told to keep the blinds shut for the duration of the trip. Oh, my God. You can't even look at the scenery? And something tells me the Wi-Fi on North Korean railroads ain't great. Well, I'm I'm more thinking along the lines of you're going to denuclearize, but you won't even let us know where your secret site is that you're closing down. You're going to keep that a secret from journalists. This is not a good start in your whole openness toward us inspecting your nuclear program. Yeah. Now, I thought the site uh, is known. Is it not? It, it is, I believe. Well, yeah, I think they were well, trying yeah. to keep the yeah. journalists from looking at the country. Because it's so godforsaken. Okay, well, that's Fathead n- doesn't want the bad PR. Well, that's not good either. The no. train tracks go right by their new nuclear testing plant. They didn't want him to see construction of. That wouldn't. Yeah, exactly. Could be that. It could be all kinds of things. It's a, star, it's a backward, starving it's, country, and Fathead doesn't want to. You know, that, it's to be in every uh, newspaper in the world. It's not a good sign for we're willing to make a major change. Right. Uh, Still anyway. pretty hermity, Fathead. Anyway, we got a late night joke off over this topic of White House sinkhole. I don't even know this one, but we got three comedians that took on the same topic. And There's a sinkhole at the White House? Well, yeah. I'm sure we're about to find oh, really? out. But um, you're you're going to grade these? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I will give each of them a letter grade, and the bottom uh, grade getter will be banned for life from comedy. <laughs> okay. Oh, by the way, me and Little D, uh, she was showing me some of her favorite John Mulaney stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, holy crap, is he oh, a unique he is character. His uh, his wordsmithery yeah. is incredibly adept. Yeah, it's his delivery and, and choice of words. It's just incredible. And, and, and the subtlety of it. I mean, he's a freaking master. He's as good as they are right now. Like yeah. he's, he's fantastic. Yeah. I, I don't well, mind you know broad, nutty comedy. I enjoy that very much. But he is the master of the subtle uh, turn of a phrase. Well, like I said, I watched it a couple, two, three times when he hosted Saturday Night Live to watch his stand-up routine because I just thought his choices were so good. Yeah, Josiah, uh, you had a question? Yes, I do! <laughs> uh, but anyway, back to the late-night joke-off. Here we go. A sinkhole has opened up on the White House lawn. <laughs> True story. 
Yeah, apparently another one of Melania's tunnels collapsed. Uh... There was some breaking news today from the nation's capital. Apparently, a sinkhole has just appeared on the north lawn of the White House. <laughs> you can't fault Mother Nature for trying. A sinkhole has opened up on the White House lawn, which is very interesting and weird because exactly one year ago today, a sinkhole opened at Mar-a-Lago, and now there's one outside the White House. I'm starting to think maybe God's aim is slightly off. All right. <laughs> there's not the level of joy coming out of these jokes. These are jokes. These are humorous. These are supposed to uplift one's spirits. Huh? I sense exasperation. You know, Conan with a B plus, just because it was short and punchy, his delivery was good. Corden with a B, but he will be deducted a full letter grade for being a foreigner. Kimmel with a B minus, but he will be deducted a full letter grade for being a marijuana abuser. So Kimmel is the loser. Ban for wow. life. Oh. I, I was unaware of this new uh, yeah. this new anti pot stance on yeah. the late night joke. Yeah. That's going to hurt a lot of the comedians. <laughs> mm. Certainly going to hurt Jimmy Fallon. Uh, Congress. I see him as more of a gin man. Is he a pothead? Oh God, that he's uh, <laughs> false choice. <laughs> he's uh, famously a pothead. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Okay, I don't know about still. I'm but sorry back, to hear that. Back in his early Drugs days, have claimed many of the greats. Like almost all the bits he did on SNL when he was 23 were revolved around being a pothead. Mm. Yeah. Um, a right to try bill that allows terminally ill patients to request medication that hasn't been approved by the FDA. We've talked about this a lot. On the Armstrong and Getty Show. The brave and courageous and tough Christina Sandifer fighting for this. It got passed by Congress, expected to be signed by President Trump, so it is going to happen. Yeah, he tweeted about how great a thing it was, so he will be signing it. This is excellent. I love this. So if you have a fatal disease, and there's a drug that's approved in Europe, and it's been listed as safe, just hasn't quite cleared the last FDA hurdle, the government won't Slap it out of your hand as you try to save your life. Yeah, I don't want to uh, be the sort of guy that looks for the negative and a positive, but the fact that this took so long and was so difficult is depressing. To get the power back to, as it says here, now you can work directly with your doctor and drug company for whatever drugs you want to take when you're dying. Oh, good. So I don't have to get approval from the government for whatever I want to take as I die. Oh, it's great to be in the land of the free. Right, right. Jesus, that's incredible. And but- when this was defeated in California, there were some legislators who said some stuff that, well, they'd have needed medical treatment themselves if I got in a hold of them, about, well, we don't want to give people false hope. And, you know, it's we need to be concerned about drug safety and all. Oh, my, you just wanted to take them by the neck and throttle them. Yeah. Oy vey. But the right thing ultimately happened, so I should just be happy about that. Right, right, took right. That, took that long to fight for something that's just so basically it ought to be a human right. Right. Good I mean, that's, Lord. that's some solid common sense, Jack. That's how we came to be the 24th most influential talk show in America. <laughs> Tied, uh, well, in many ways, with the 24th highest grossing film of all time, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest in hey. 2006. <laughs> how about that? <laughs> So we're the Pirates of the Caribbean dead man's chest of talk shows, talk radio. By the way, we had a conversation with our agent yesterday, which he, he was very unhappy that we were only at 24. And it is, it is, it is easy now. 
Well, I'm more concerned. Making I, friends, influencing people. I don't mm-hmm. want to sound like I'm blowing my own horn, but if you were going to use any. If I could do that, I'd never leave the house. Hey, oh! Now do, that's broad comedy. That's not John Mulaney wordsmithery. That's it. Uh, yeah, that's good stuff. If you were going to use. If you were going to use any legitimate measuring device of number of listeners or revenue brought into radio stations or whatever. Or genius. We would be so far ahead of a bunch of those other people. I mean, we just are. Right. Listen, boys. It's just a fact. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't really. No, we, that, that's why we're it, making a joke out of it, because we think find it humorous. You know, honestly, I, I wouldn't... Uh, it'd be so weird if we ever actually became the next big thing, which, you know... People have been saying forever because our resentments fuel us. We're the guy who got picked in the fourth round instead of the first where he's expected and spends his career trying to prove that the other team's wrong. I like that. I'll take it. Fuels me. Bitterness. Fueled by bitterness. Yes. That's the the, Joe Getty story. Exactly. That's the movie version of my my autobiography, which is six volumes, each of which is over a thousand pages. Did you? You got something good coming up. I'm going to let you tease that. Yeah, I do. It's dark, but it is a really good distillation of the best answer that exists for why all these mass shootings, particularly young people acting out in high schools, but... Why is this happening? There is an answer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When, when people say something needs to be done, there's something that can be done. There's. It's fairly well agreed upon by a lot of people. It's hard, but the answer is no. What do we do about these mass shootings? We've talked about this before, but in case you haven't heard it, maybe, maybe as the 24th most influential talk show, we can have some effect on policy around this. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show.